The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Hold. Hands above your head, Zeon. Fire. Keep your hands in the air so you don't touch anything occasion. You swine have defiled us for the last time. But that's no ended. Move. Unbelievable. Do you recognize those uniforms? Mid-20th century Earth. The nation state called Nazi Germany. Attention. 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 An announcement from Fuhrer headquarters. Today, the Fuhrer has ordered our glorious capital to be made Zeon free. Starting at dawn, our heroic troops began flushing out the Zeon monsters who've been poisoning our planet. How could this have happened? The chances of another planet developing a culture like Nazi Germany using the forms, the symbols, the uniforms of 20th century Earth are so fantastically slim. Virtually impossible, Captain, yet the evidence is quite clear. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, October 20th, 2016. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Fallon. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right! Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Boy, a lot of Nazi overtones on our show today forced by the undertones of the conversations we've been hearing and some of the feedback we've been getting. It's been a while since we've had a chance to offer some of our own feedback to your feedback, so that's what we'll be doing later on in the show today. But for the opening part of the show, Robert, uh, you have some disturbing things to share with us today. Nothing less than perhaps an orchestrated coup of the, uh, of the United States, a, a violent overthrow of the American political system. And um, I don't know how the Democratic Party or Hillary Clinton can plausibly deny what has been going on. You're starting to sound like Donald Trump. <laughs> what, fear-mongering? This isn't fear-mongering, because that's what Donald Trump is being accused of. But you know something? Sometimes when a person is out there crying wolf, there is actually a wolf. You know, things are coming to a fevered pitch in the U.S. presidential election with a few major breaking stories in the past few days. On Monday... CNN reported the following, quote, a GOP office in Hillsborough, North Carolina, was firebombed over the weekend with a swastika and the words, Nazi Republicans leave town or else, spray painted on an adjacent building, according to local officials. No arrests have been made. A group of Democrats started a GoFundMe fundraising page to help with the rebuilding of the office, unquote. Now, of course, I would suggest that it's not out of guilt, that they're having this GoFundMe campaign, because apparently Democrats have no sense of shame or no sense of right and wrong. It's interesting, I was listening to uh, one of the liberal talk shows on uh, Sirius XM the other day um, after this broke, and it was mentioned that, oh, this is probably a false flag. Mm -hmm. In other words, the the Republicans did it to themselves uh, to get Garner sympathy, and of course, nothing could be farther from the truth. Of course... Again, we have no evidence that it was done by the Democrats, but you know something? If it looks like a duck. You know, following, following the firebombing of the GOP office in North Carolina, we had the release of James O'Keefe's undercover expose of key Democratic Party supporters admitting that they were behind the violent attacks at Trump rallies and attempting to create anarchy in the Republican campaign. 
Now, James O'Keefe, if you don't know about him, I'd like to call him a member of the alternative media, alt-media, if you will, which is filling the vacuum left by the more established mainstream media when it comes to investigative journalism, because it's certainly not being done out there anymore by any journalist belonging to any of the so-called accredited news uh, organizations. It's a complete collapse. I just can't believe what I'm reading in the papers these days. National Enquirer of old seems seems like, you know, <laughs> I would respect class. the National Enquirer yeah. <laughs> more than uh, CNN or MSNBC. You know, or our to- local papers. You mm-hmm. know. Now, two of the supporters that we're going to be talking about here, the Democratic supporters, are Scott Fovel, National Field Director uh, at America's United for Change, and Bob Creamer, founder and partner of Democracy Partners. More on these people uh, a little later, but first, I want to give our listeners just a taste of the video that was posted by James O'Keefe on his Project Veritas Actions YouTube channel. I would encourage listeners to go and see the entire clip for themselves because we're going to be playing excerpts from it here. Um, So what you're about to hear, straight from the horse's mouth and untouched and unsullied by the mainstream media, because they won't touch this with a 10-foot pole because they cannot deny it, how these two people, Fovel and Creamer, and their organizations orchestrated and carried out campaigns of violence against Donald Trump and the Republican National Convention. Just give a listen to this. There are concerns this election will be rigged. What you're about to see will make you uncomfortable and angry. It's graphic, uncensored, and disturbing. Our attorneys say there is strong evidence of criminality. There is a narrative that supporters at Trump rallies are violent and dangerous, looking to beat up protesters who don't agree with them. But our undercover investigation into the Hillary Clinton Democratic Party machine reveals a very different story. This is Scott Fovel. He is the National Field Director for Americans United for Change. He used to work for People for the American Way, an organization funded by George Soros. He also has his own company called the Fovel Group. He is one of the dark operatives for the Clinton campaign. We were contracted directly with the DNC and the campaign, both. Yeah. I am contracted to him, mm-hmm. but my I answer to the head of special events for the DNC mm-hmm. and the head of the special events and political for the campaign. The campaign pays DNC, DNC pays Democracy Partners, Democracy Partners pays the Fogel Group, the Fogel Group goes and executes the shit on the ground. Democracy Partners is a private political consulting company with deep ties to Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama's White House, and the Democratic National Committee. We are the primary mechanism as a team. Democracy Partners is Wherever Trump and Pence are going to be, we have a bench. Okay. And we have a whole team across the country that does that. Both consultants and people from the Democratic Party and the Democratic Party apparatus and people from the uh, campaign, the Clinton campaign. Um, And uh, my role with the campaign is to manage all that. Bob Creamer is Democracy Partners. He is the husband of Jan Schakowsky, a Democratic congresswoman from Chicago, and in 2005 he pled guilty to tax violations and bank fraud. He was convicted and sentenced to five months in prison and 11 months of house arrest. He founded Democracy Partners in 2011.
This investigation has revealed compelling evidence of a dark money conspiracy, a violation of federal campaign coordination laws between Hillary Clinton's campaign, Priorities USA, Hillary's super PAC, and the Democratic National Committee. The thing that we have to watch is making sure there's a double blind between the actual campaign and the actual DNC and what we're doing. There's a double blind there. No, so that they can plausibly deny that they didn't do anything about it. Scott Fovel is Kramer's attack dog. Fovel and his people train the agitators to go to Trump rallies, and nothing is left to chance. There's a script. Oh, there is a script. There's a script. Okay. There's a script of engagement. Sometimes the crazies bite, and sometimes the crazies don't bite. They're starting confrontations in the line, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? They're not starting confrontations the in the rally, because once they're inside the rally, they're under Secret Service's control. When they're outside the rally... Mm -hmm. They're more effective out. They're harder to get in. The media will cover it no matter where it happens. I assume it's always in the rally. Initiating the conflict by having leading conversations with people who are naturally psychotic. Right. Okay, I mean, honestly, it is not hard to get some of these assholes to pop off. Right. It's, it's a matter of showing up to want to get into the rally in a Planned Parenthood t-shirt. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, uh, Trump is a Nazi, you know, you can, you can message to draw them out mm -hmm. and draw them to punch you. This guy is Aaron Black. He works full-time for Creamer at Democracy Partners. He directs the spontaneous protests at Trump and Pence events. His real name is actually Aaron Minter. We don't know why he uses the name Black. Nobody's really supposed to know about me. <laughs> so the Chicago protest when they shut all that, that was us. It was more him than me, but none of okay. this is supposed to come back to us because we want it coming from people. We don't want it to come from the party. So if we do a protest and it's brown, oh, DNC protest, it's right away the press is gonna say partisan. But if I'm in there coordinating with all the groups on the ground and sort of playing field general, but they're the ones talking to the cameras, it, it, then it's actually people. But if we send out press advisories with DNC on them and and Clinton campaign, it just it doesn't have the same effect. No, I'm saying we have mentally ill people mm. that we pay to do shit. Make no mistake. Over the last 20 years, I've paid off a few homeless guys to do some crazy stuff, and I've also taken them for dinner, and I've also made uh -huh. sure they had a hotel and it's and a shower, and I've put them in a program. Mm -hmm. Like I've done that, but the the reality is. A lot of, in, especially in, in our union guys, a lot of for union guys, they'll do whatever oh, yeah. you want. Yeah. They're rock and roll. Level when up. I need to get something done in Arkansas, mm -hmm. right. the first guy I call is the head of the AFL-CIO down there, uh -huh. because he will say, what do you need? And I will say, I need a guy who will do this and this, and they find that guy. And that guy will be like, yeah, hell, let's do it. Now, the first person evidence exposed by O'Keefe is damning. It's being ignored, of course, by the mainstream media, even though it's pretty clear from the evidence that Hillary Clinton knows of these activities and the Democratic National Committee pays these organizations. The DNC is listed as a client on the Democracy Partners webpage, as are 76 members of the U.S. House of Representatives. 
all of them Democratic, not one Republican as a client. Now, it remains to be seen whether or not law enforcement officials will get involved considering the damning nature of these admissions, or whether the mainstream media will report on them or come up with some way to explain them away. I I know that they'll probably come out and attack James O'Keefe personally at hominem, because if you cannot deny what's coming out of the horse's mouth, then you have to attack the messenger. James O'Keefe better be prepared. Now, who is Scott Fovel mentioned in the video that we just listened to? He is or was the National Field Director at American United for Change, because I understand that he was fired from that following the release of this. Now, on their webpage, that is um, America's United for Change, we find the following description of that organization. Quote, Today we are building on that success through national campaigns that utilize grassroots organizing, polling and message development, earned and paid media, online organizing, grass tops outreach, and paid and volunteer phones to pass the transformational legislation coming out of the Obama White House. From taking on the party of no to the successful campaign to pass the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act and President Obama's budget, we have moved on to health insurance reform, clean energy, and cleaning up the mess on Wall Street. You name it, if it needs changing, we are on it. On the phones, on the air, on conservatives, and on Rush Limbaugh's hit list. Join us, we are stronger together, unquote. So, they claim direct responsibility for legislation coming out of the White House. The last line in their description says it all. We are stronger together. Now, where have we heard that before, if it wasn't Hillary Clinton's uh, catchphrase? Well, check out Just Right, episode 316, broadcast on September 5th, 2013, where I go into the history of fascism for the answer to that question. Now, from O'Keefe's video, we take the following quote, and more about uh, Scott Fovel we didn't need to know. Fovel, you remember the Iowa State Fair where Scott Walker grabbed the sign out of the dude's hand and then the dude gets kind of roughed up right in front of the stage, right there on camera? And Project Veritas reporters replies, yeah. Fovel, that was all us. The guy that got roughed up is my counterpart who works for Bob Creamer. And the reporter says, and that was like storyboarded? Him getting roughed up like that? Fovel, we scenarioed it. Let's let's take a, some more quotes from that video just to make things clear. <laughs> and from Real Clear Politics, I took these quotes. Real Clear, Real clear Politics is a website uh, as well. Uh, quote, one of the things we do is we stage very authentic grassroots protests right in their faces at their own events, like we infiltrate, unquote. We can expect then that at every Trump rally, there are plants, instigators of violence and anarchy. Notice that he said very authentic grassroots protests. I think he meant authentic looking because yeah. they are not. No. They are orchestrated. They are planned. Here's another quote from the video. So the term bird-dogging, you put some people in the line at the front, which means that they have to get there at 6 in the morning because they have to get in front of the rally. So that's when Trump comes down the rope line. They're the ones asking him the questions in front of the reporter because they're pre-placed there, explains Fovel. To funnel that kind of operation, you have to start back with people two weeks ahead of time and train them how to ask questions. You have to train them to bird-dog, unquote. Now, Bob, the amount of time and money which goes into this kind of deceptive counter-campaign 
must be mind-boggling. It can only be achieved with mass amounts of money. And you notice that George Soros' name comes up in that video? It's obviously his billions which are being infused into Hillary, Hillary's um, countermeasures. And listeners should also take note that... Um, take some time to see who the clients of Democracy Partners is. That's Bob Creamer's group. They list them on their site. It's the usual suspects, trade unions, politicians, U.S. senators, U.S. representatives, all Democrats, by the way, Democrats, uh, political action groups, environmental groups, etc. Now, another quote from Real Claret Politics. Quote, in another undercover interview, Creamer tells Project Veritas that his organization, Democracy Partners, has daily check-ins with the Clinton campaign in order to coordinate efforts. Quote, I just had a call with the campaign and the DNC every day at one o'clock. Unquote, says Creamer, subordinate Zulima Rodriguez in the video, unquote. So there you have it. You have the admission from Creamer that the Clinton campaign helps coordinate the violence. This is not an arm's-length relationship. If there was a proper media outlet in the United States, they would be all over this, and Trump would win by a wide margin. But there isn't, and the vast majority of Americans will cast their ballot for Clinton, oblivious to her campaign's involvement in the violence and the deceit. Here's another quote from the video. Quote, Foval explains to O'Keefe's undercover journalists how the web of democratic organizations is designed to subvert laws preventing super PACs and political action groups from organizing directly with campaigns. Quote, the campaign pays DNC, DNC pays Democratic Partners, Democratic Partners pays the Foval Group, the Foval Group goes out and execute the expletive on the ground. Democracy Partners is the tip of the spear on that stuff, unquote. So there you have it. Follow the money. Hillary Clinton's campaign pays the Democratic National Convention. The DNC pays Democracy Partners. Democracy Partners pays the Americans United for Change. And that group hires the thugs, unionists, and mental patients to assault Trump supporters. Connect the dots. Hillary Clinton's campaign is one of violence. Now, who is Bob Creamer? We talked about Foval. Who's Creamer? He's the founder and partner of Democracy Partners. Now, the masthead of Democracy Partners' webpage is... Cutting-edge strategies for progressive values. (laughs) So now we know exactly what kind of values progressives are fighting for. Yeah, they're anti-values. Yeah, exactly. Bob Creamer is a convicted felon, as was mentioned on the video. From Democracy Partners' webpage, we learn that he is general consultant to America's United for Change. There's the link to Scott Fovel. Quote, Creamer began his organizing career in 1970 working with Chicago's Citizen Action Program, CAP, which had been organized by none other than Saul Alinsky Industrial Areas Foundation, unquote. And now it appears that a lot of progressive activists have been spawned in Chicago. Saul Alinsky, as you will no doubt know, was the author of Rules for Radicals, and it was Alinsky who literally wrote the book on left-wing violence and overthrow of governments. He said, quote, The job of the organizer is to maneuver and bait the establishment so that it would publicly attack him, unquote. We see Hillary's minions doing just that, baiting Republicans to fight them so that the spotlight spotlight will turn to the violence perpetrated by Trump supporters and not on Hillary's instigators. Creamer's recent book is titled Stand Up Straight, How Progressives Can Win, Now, we can take from this title that the violent actions we're seeing in the campaign are typical of progressives. Bob Creamer writes, by the way, for the Huffington Post. 
Hmm. Well, no surprise there. Now, it's interesting to note that just prior to Alinsky's death, in 72, I believe, he had been planning to organize America's white middle class. Now, in his March 1972 interview with Playboy, he said that he, quote, feared the middle class would be driven to a right-wing viewpoint, making them ripe for the plucking by some guy on horseback promising a return to the vanished verities of yesterday, unquote. How prophetic that he died uh, before he could uh, anticipate somebody like Donald Trump capturing the minds and hearts of American middle class who do remember what the verities or the truths of yesterday were and want to reclaim them. Now, I consider it a good thing that Saul Alinsky died when he did. The widespread violence, voter fraud, election manipulations, and media deceptions that have been building in the United States in Saul Alinsky in the 60s is coming to a head with the 2016 presidential election. This is probably one of the most pivotal elections I have ever seen. In the United States, we are witnessing an event that has had its parallels in Germany in the 20s and 30s. And I will dismiss any of you listeners out there who say that we should never make comparison to Hitler or Nazi Germany. You know, are you kidding? People are always calling us Nazis. And I'm oh, going, of course. And I'm going to have a few things to say about that a little later. You know, Hitler, the German people who elected Hitler, the millions of Nazis, they weren't a, an alien species come down from another planet. You know, they were human beings, just like the people in the Democratic National Convention, just like the people who are following Hillary Clinton. They were human beings. They're fallible. They're manipulative. And they're easily to manipulate. And we can see it. It's easy to draw parallels. It's easy well, to sure. think that history can repeat itself. This has all been done before, and it will happen again. We are witnessing an event which has its parallels in Germany. If it's not one of Alinsky's rules for radicals to dismiss Godwin's law or the reductio ad Hitlerum, then he missed out. Because the left think that just because somebody makes the comparison to Hitler, then he is de facto wrong. Does not necessarily mean that it is so. You know, sometimes a comparison is absolutely true. People think of the Nazi regime as an aberration as something that is exactly. just a one-time thing that could never happen again. They think it was a political phenomenon that lived in isolation to the web and flow of human interactions that often repeat themselves. Absolutely false. It's happening again, folks. I will make that comparison. The thugs and profiteers paying for and perpetrating the violence during this election period are mirrored in the jackbooted thugs and officers of Hitler's Nationalist Socialist German Workers' Party the dreaded SA, or the Sturmabteilung. Hitler's parliamentary storm detachment behaved in much the same way as the democratic thugs are behaving today. Check out Wikipedia for a brief introduction to the uh, Sturmabteilung, the SA. Quote, they played a significant role in Adolf Hitler's rise to power in the 20s and 30s. Their primary purpose, get this, Bob, were, were providing protection for Nazi rallies and assemblies, disrupting the meetings of opposing parties, fighting against the paramilitary units of the opposing parties, and intimidating Slavic and Romanian citizens, units, unionists and Jews, for instance, during the Nazi boycott of Jew, Jewish businesses. The SA had been known in contemporary times as brown shirts, from the color of their uniform, similar to Benito, Benito Mussolini's black shirts. The SA, of course, 
were superseded by the Nazi SS. Today, the parallels are, to quote Leonard Peikoff, ominous. And it was a maxim of the SA that, quote, terror must be broken by terror, unquote. And just as Hillary Clinton's campaign has been attempting to describe Donald Trump as someone who evokes terror, then her campaign is attempting to combat it with her own brand of terror. And the comparison is complete. Ultimately, the whole endeavor is to get negative press of Trump and his supporters in local and national media. Mm-hmm. It's something that Bob and I obsess about. Is we're not going to go to an effort to just do an event and not have anybody show up or not have it covered. We have to get coverage. These guys have been doing their dirty tricks for some time, even before Trump won the nomination. So I, I probably know your work. I, I know yeah. you do. Everybody yeah. knows. I'm Hillary Clinton and I approve this message. Corruption. As you can see, it's alive and well in our country, and you're paying for it. As we continue to release more videos, you must hold the mainstream media to account to further investigate what we've uncovered. America, our war is here. We must decide if we're going to save this country or lose it. To quote Abraham Lincoln, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter or lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. You're not in one of our uniforms, and you'd be completely anonymous. Hello? Oh, invisible. Just a minute. Mm-hmm. Suppose I were dressed like you. How would that help me get out of here? No, then no one would notice you, you see. You get in the back of Colonel Klink's car, you crouch down, and right out the gate. Get me an American uniform. No, how would we do that? I don't know how. Just do it. <laughs> Say so. Schultz. Schultz. <laughs> now we have something. This can be explained. Yes, I shall enjoy hearing you explain. Take him away. I am Major General Hans Stoffel, commander of the 9th Armored Division, Africa Corps. So, the Africa Corps has changed uniform? I can explain this. Think, explain this. Explain what? That I am General Stoffel, your old classmate. Tell him. Well, Kling? He, he resembles my old classmate, but <laughs> that's such a long time ago. Clink! Ask this man. He got me the uniform. Never saw him before in my life. Just a minute! If I'm not with my troops in the morning, you shall have to answer for this. Of course. But first we must find out just what those troops are. In our Berlin headquarters, we have facilities for sifting out the truth. There is no time for this! For the truth, there is always time. Take him away! (laughs) You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And thank you again to all of our financial supporters who have made it possible for us to continue our journey in the right direction and to share our programming with the world. Visit www.justrightmedia.org to offer your financial support and be sure to sample some of our timeless past broadcasts, all archived for your listening enjoyment. Now, Robert, we haven't done feedback for quite a while, for several months, and it's been building up. I've got about, like I just showed you, 18 pages of various feedback offered to us 
both through writing us directly, and a lot of these are, of course, from Facebook posts. But basically, we've chosen some of the replies from, I would say, two or three of, of our shows uh, of the recent past, the ones we've done on capitalism and on, of course, Donald Trump and on a various number of issues. What I find interesting is it doesn't matter what the issue or topic we talked about, the criticisms that we get are so neutral, uh, almost you, they could be applied to anything. They're not specific about anything. They're just mad at us for, for being us. That's the general gist I get from, the, from, from a lot of our negative feedback. This one's from, uh, I think this is just from last week's show, Black Lies and Trump Matters. And we talked about, of course, Donald Trump and talked about the issue on campus with Black Lives Matter. Of course, we do a post to Facebook. And one of the first responses we got was from a fellow named Alex B. And, of course, we're not going to be reading last names on the air. Well, of course, they can find that out. If you can find it if you go to page. Facebook, sure, if you're that, that into it. But he, he writes, such incredibly bad writing, illogical, product of a deranged thought process. Please take this comment to heart. You're making no sense whatsoever. Stop posting. You are undermining actual conservative concerns. The alt-right will find little quarter in Canada, he writes. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? Oh, because um, we're not conservative. That's right. Hello. <laughs> and, you know, I wrote him. I said, thanks, Alec. You know, if, if you understand that we're undermining actual conservative concerns, then you completely get the point without That's realizing. We want to undermine right. conservative concerns, uh, political conservative, yeah. not yeah. conservative values necessarily. That's a different issue. Yes. Uh, you know, I know that to many confronting our, you know, not right-wing, just right weekly opener for the first time, they don't realize we're being quite serious about that. Freedom and capitalism are just right. And conservatives, Con by the way, are not capitalists. That's right. Conservatism is right-wing. It's not about freedom and capitalism. And here's a real shocker for first-timers. The right-wing of today is really on the left of the political spectrum. For those still in shock at my totally deranged thought process, we'll certainly demonstrate that truth in response to another upcoming feedback item. There was one other comment. I don't know if you've picked it out in your, in your selection, Bob, but somebody... Uh, latched onto the word about fascism being on the left because you listed oh, it that's, as part that's, of the left. Oh, that's right? not just one person, a number of people. I'm, yeah, I'm, and I even mentioned it today with Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I mean, these are fascists. The left is fascist. Remember that, folks? The left is fascist. It is socialist. And Absolutely. the Nazi Germany was fascist and it was on the left. Absolutely. Uh, by, our, by our definitions. And if you want our definitions, go look it up on our website and just type in the issues for um, fascism or left and right and things of that nature. You know, here was a little back and forth between, uh, I guess, two or three people posting the Facebook, one of them, Vernon T. He writes, what a laugh. This is, a, again, to our post. Another mentally challenged Trump supporter spreading the hate. Thankfully, in another, in another month, Trump and the Trumpettes will be nothing but a bad memory in America can get on with healing itself. Sad that a once great power has been reduced to a laughing stock throughout the world because of this hateful ignoramus. <laughs> and then somebody named James B. writes, ignoranus. <laughs> <laughs> and Vernon writes back, wrong, ignoramus. <laughs> and then Chip A. writes in, Quote, America can get on with healing itself. That statement would suggest that America has a lot of things which need healing. But how can that be? Barack Obama's been in charge for the last eight years. Yes. After eight years of Obama, what could America possibly have that needs healing? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't his hope fulfilled? <laughs> yes, and then Darlene Joy E. chimes in, stupid is as stupid does, enjoy being a dimmy. <laughs> D-H-I-S. <laughs> 
But anyways, Chip brought up a good point. If America is in, in need of you know, such healing, then Trump is the last possible cause of America's ailment. Trump actually brought that up at the second presidential debate. He said, look, Hillary, you've been in power at various roles yeah. for 30 years. Why haven't you done what you've said that you're going to do? It's just amazing how they will zero in on the guy pointing to the trouble as being the cause of the trouble, yeah. you know? Trump it, hasn't been in power, folks, so yeah. he can't be blamed he for hasn't, any of he this. He hasn't passed any legislation, not a single piece, nor has he been the cause of the symptoms that only he will even address in this election. What Vernon is doing is attacking the messenger before even taking a look at the message. He's testifying to the wreckage of the Obama era while holding Trump responsible. That's what kills me. Uh, this phenomenon occurs on every level of public discourse, by the way. I can't count how many times over the years people have blamed me and Freedom Party <laughs> for today's political environment, from accusing us of splitting the vote, which, which never existed to, to be split, to accusing us of spreading the hate to which we are reacting against. They're projecting their own impotence onto their opponents. Now, here was an interesting one that struck on a very deep philosophical fact from Peggy Kay. She goes, uh, love this comment in the article. That, that's why Hillary Clinton, quote, loves fact-checking. She knows that facts are the best way to obscure truths. Now, that was in our post. And uh -huh. she goes, what? With a double question mark. She can't understand how facts can obscure truth. Well, to me, that's a self-evident issue. Well, of course. I mean, you just define their terms more than that. I can throw a lot of facts at you and they, they won't tell you anything. Like, like, I, like I mentioned to you earlier, on a bright sunny day, the sky is blue. At night, the sky is dark. So on, on the issue of those facts, is Trump going to be a good president? <laughs> right? Because the things they've brought up about his comments to women in the past are about the equivalent of the sky being blue. They're complete distractions. Personally, I've never found any of the so-called facts relating to Trump's past to be of any relevance to the subject at hand. The facts I'm interested in relate to the plans of either Trump or Clinton for the future of America. You know, discovering a truth about something requires the integration of facts and putting it into the context of your own set of values and reality. Oh, that's, that's the difference between truth and facts. Well, Facts are valueless. Well, everybody... Truth is not. Every, everyone would sort of accept that, but they see reality different. That's the problem. I look at every single episode of any good murder mystery. It's all about facts, misleading investigators from the truth. That's uh -huh. what they all yes. are, right? Good analogy. And I've been watching both my old Perry Mason episodes and re-watching the very recently concluded Castle series, which was awesome, by the way. Uh, and if you ever want to see how facts obscure the truth, watch these shows. They're awesome. They take you through uh, every five minutes. The facts are being reversed on you. And it's the same facts. The facts don't change, but your story changes. Facts are false when, for example, when they're presented out of context or in isolation of other necessary-to-know facts. I remember when we reviewed the Bill Cosby situation, he was begging the media to check the facts before they printed their stories. And when they refused to do so, that's when he cut off his relationship with the media. And of course, we here looked at all the facts surrounding the backgrounds of his alleges, and we discovered some very different truths than those that were being told in the mainstream media. And the same phenomena is now occurring with Trump, run by the same people, the same people behind it. The only facts are the allegations. You know, another way to misrepresent a fact is when you take allegories literally. A lot of things that Trump says are just allegories and people take them literally. I can't believe how many people over the past week have been saying, we don't talk like that in, the, in, in our locker room. Like, like <laughs> you just say a thing like locker room language and everybody takes it literally and they have to talk about the locker room. That wasn't a locker room, that was a bus. Yeah. <laughs> My Lord, is, is that where everything is? We had another interesting 
person who posted our first Facebook review, Robert. <laughs> Remember that one? I do indeed. And uh, it started a little furor. This is an utter cesspool of lies and misinformation. Period. Uh, you know, yes, thank you for that. And it was <laughs> and it was it was written by a fellow named Gage R. And we'll get back to him shortly. But he also wrote us a personal message. Was that how that was sent? Like, yeah, uh, was, I, I, um, I think it was staged as a complaint or something, which was then removed, uh, not by us, but it was removed. But right. And then he I also... I think of the language. Facebook probably looked at it and go, this language, this guy is a nutter. We're just going to delete that because it's... Um, they didn't delete it. They just removed it as a complaint because the vitriol and hatred in it was just uh, palpable. It was unbelievable. Well, it's... Un- yeah, and it wasn't just that. He went beyond that. He started posting more and started... I think he was trying to make a pain of himself, if you know what I mean. And, and we get this a lot when because you're doing these Facebook, uh, what are they called, boosts. Yes. And that sends our message to people who might be interested in it based on what Facebook thinks that they might be interested in mm-hmm. based on their interests <laughs> as they post them. And he writes, Seriously, your content is not welcome on my news feed. I don't know how it got there, yet the fact that I got some radical right-wing nut radio show stuck sponsored by Facebook is a damn shame. Your rhetoric is that of disingenuously malforming words of political oppositions and waiting for national tragedy to occur to lay the blame on one individual. Of course, his, his review was, this is an utter cesspool of lies and information. And I pointed that out to him. I said, lies by whom? And about what? Misinformation? Like what? And he has appeared to have expended quite a bit of energy and time writing a torrent of expletives and yet offered nothing complete. And I wrote him, I said, we'd love to respond to your complaints, but you haven't cited a single example. Not a single one, mind you, of any specific to which we can possibly respond. And since Gage appeared to be expecting a response, he wrote, cat got your tongue and things (laughs) like that, writing and just starting to bug us, right? So he wanted a response of some sort, and since he hadn't offered us any specifics, we could only comment on what he had written us. And here's what I told him. I said, look, it's clear you've never listened to or understood Just Right, which opens each and every episode with Not Right Wing, Just Right. By far, the vast majority of our broadcasts are dedicated to critiques of the right wing, as any of our regular listeners well know. Given that half of our current episode, the one in question, was dedicated to criticizing the right-wing views of National Post columnist Andrew Coyne, it's difficult to reconcile your outrageous suggestion that we're a radical right-wing nut radio show. Uh, I mean, too funny to seriously even attempt a response. We're possibly the strongest critics of the right-wing out there. That's because today's right-wing is on the left. Nobody's on the right anymore. And feel free to disagree with that, but that's our point of view, and we're we consistently support it from week after week. And on that point, Gage wrote, quote, This coming from the news station that believes fascism is a left-wing cause. Oh, there's where I was talking yeah. about. Yeah. Effing morons. Quit blaming the left wing <laughs> for everything, end quote. First, Gage, we're not a news station, nor, we, nor have we ever pretended to be such. From time to time, we analyze the news and even make the news, but we don't report it. However, that incidental misinformation on your part aside, we have every right to blame the left for anything we know it's responsible for causing. And as to your objection that fascism is left-wing, you should understand that fascism is indeed on the left, both in theory and in practice. In fact, Gage's misunderstanding is not unlike that of Facebook poster Miles J., who very recently wrote, quote, Whoever wrote the above must be some stupid ignorant no, no no, noun there, as fascism has nothing to do with communism or socialism. Get your poop right before you write 
and even less before you debate your crap. You are actually paying Facebook to shove your political opinions down others' throats. Get effed, you oppressive C's. I can't even say these words out loud. Not knowing where the F fascism is actually aligned with, a goddamn disgrace. A lot of sentence enhancers in there. Oh, there sure are. (laughs) (laughs) And so I wrote to Gage. I said, as you can see, Mr. Mr. J's eloquence, manner of expression, and depth of knowledge in justifying is a disagreement with the facts. Rival your own. It is a consistency within our critics that never ceases to amaze us, and that's true. Go through all our posts. Nobody says anything like innocent. They haven't got anything to grab onto other than their feelings. It's a very emotional response, and it's very superficial, too. A lot of these people don't even listen to the show. They grab onto a few uh, headlines or paragraphs in a Facebook post and then just let fly with the expletives. It's just, it's quite disheartening, actually, to see the the shallowness of some of our critiques. Oh, yes. I wrote to uh, Gage. I said, listen, for your benefit and for the benefit of others who may also be confused about the essential distinctions, here's our response to, to Miles. And uh, you know, I wrote to Miles, I said, hello, Miles. The assertion that the three symptoms of government you mentioned have nothing to do with each other is a common misconception, one we've addressed many times throughout our radio broadcast history. You can find many past broadcasts on site exclusively dedicated to clearing up that very error. Briefly, fascism, socialism, and communism are all collectivist ideologies of the left. The only distinction between fascism and communism slash socialism is that while the latter two operate on the principle of state ownership and control of property and or the means of production, fascism dispenses with the responsibility of state ownership entirely. Instead, fascism continues to control quote-unquote private property and the means of production through government edicts, regulations, and centralized management of the economy. All three forms of government must initiate the use of government force in various degrees in a manner that violates what governments should otherwise be constituted to protect, life, liberty, and property. For those who believe that the three forms for statism are meaningfully different from another, there's only one question left relevant. What's your favorite form of totalitarianism? (laughs) I think it was Ayn Rand who said that the real difference between communism and fascism is the difference between murder and suicide. Maybe. That's a good way of putting it. (laughs) Of course, uh, many carry their misunderstanding of fascism even further, especially when claiming that Germany's Nazi party was extreme right wing, which merely means it was fascist. Like fascism, Nazism is a phenomenon of the left. And in writing... Uh, Gage accused us of being, quote, goddamn neo-Nazi scum. Oh, quote. boy, really? Another good... Another <laughs> and so I pointed out, perhaps you should be made, made aware of what Nazism is in contrast to what Just Right is all about. Everything we say and do on Just Right stands in diametric and full opposition to any form of collectiv- collectivism whatever. That includes fascism, Nazism, socialism, and all the so-called progressive isms. And racism. Yeah, all our listeners know this. And those isms are on the left. As Wikipedia quite accurately describes the Nazis, quote, the National Socialist Program, notice the word, adopted in 1920, called for a united greater Germany that would deny citizenship to Jews or those of Jewish descent, while also supporting land reform and the nationalization of some industries. In Mein Kampf, written in 1924, Hitler outlined the anti-Semitism and his anti-communism at the heart of his political philosophy, as well as his disdain for parliamentary democracy and his belief in Germany's right to territorial expansion, end quote. So as you can see, Wikipedia's account of Nazism is perfectly consistent with our own correct description of left and right wings. 
The only difference between the right-wing Nazis and the left-wing communists that they were fighting was over the issue of private ownership. Though on both wings, ownership was still kept under state control. Moreover, note that it was a nationalist socialist program that the Nazis used to justify their denial of citizenship to those of Jewish descent. Notice also that Nazi translates into National Socialist Workers' Party, meaning on the left. Quote, you people know nothing of equality and you merely spew out hate speech. Get the F out of this beautiful country and go but F some trash, something extra <laughs> where your bigotry and racism is accepted. Oh, he wants us to go to a country like America where racism is <laughs> accepted. So I wrote back, I says, equality means equality before and under the law, irrespective of one's race, color, creed, religion, etc., or opinion. Equality means freedom, as we stressed in the very show on which, of which you're being critical. This is what you're calling hate speech. We never express hate speech. Occasionally, we tolerate it in others. And just as we've tolerated your expressed hate, both towards us and apparently towards America, and even your foul-mouthed, immature language, we see nothing wrong with a country that tolerates what is really freedom of speech. By tolerating hate speech, not libel and slander, people are thus able to respond to the hate, which is how one fights hate, just as we're doing right now. And you know, Gage, when you say cat got your tongue because we didn't reply to your message within two minutes, no, our minds have our tongue. We hold our tongue until we have something cogent and responsible to say. And we don't use expletives, we don't swear at people, and we respect their point of view. Or at least we respect them, maybe not their point of view. (laughs) (laughs) Now, violence, of course, is a completely separate matter. Even with all the hate that Gage expressed, we have no reason to assume that he's the violent type. So, too, it is with most people who express their frustration and anger deemed to be hate speech. What has angered Gage and so many people like him is an inability to respond to the unnamed issues with which they disagree. As always, we welcome disagreement, but it has to be about something or some topic. So thanks for making your views known to us, Gage, and thank you for offering us on a silver platter a perfect exhibit of those who express such opinions about our presentations. Now, I I also wrote to him to feel free to respond to our response, but bear in mind that should he choose to do so, he must provide specifics with a comment, and the next time he contacts us, if he must use an F word, be sure to make it freedom and have something (laughs) to say, or it'll be the last time. So we're not right-wing, we're just right. Get it? Well, you know, politics is a lot like the circus. It's always better to be in front leading the parade than in back sweeping up after the elephants. (laughs) Seriously, seriously, there are no guarantees in this or any other election. In the American system, what's yours is yours. What you do with it is your business. You can squander it away or you can work harder and produce more and have more. The principle of the private ownership of property is the number one target of the socialist and communist. They believe in government ownership and control. Karl Marx in the Communist Manifesto wrote, the theory of the communist may be summed up in a single sentence, abolition of private property. So private property is the foremost pillar supporting the American system and our personal freedom. And that was from a 1955 documentary produced by the National Education Workshop. Here's some more 
feedback. This, this we get all the time. This is from Jonathan P., okay, and he writes, What's this horrid filth in my suggested post? Who is it really thinks actually protects their private property? Santa? In my experience, you lot aren't very mature and have a life of privilege, while us prolos give at least a third of our lives to bourgeois masters just to survive. LOL, grow up. Wow. Do you even know what he's talking about? Well, <laughs> something to do with private property. Yeah, he's he's claiming to be part of the proletariat, yeah. you know, another class of distinction. But he makes he makes the distinction, the false distinction that we're always trying to get on this show, and that is that government is useful. I think he's saying that government may not be useful. Of course, government protects private property rights. That's one of the essential um, necessities for a government. Well, he might be reacting to the fact that it doesn't, but still, you know, he it's the other. It's the other comments that give them away. You know, in my experience, you lot aren't very mature. What does that mean? In your experience, we have a life of privilege? How the hell does that happen? Our life of privilege is led through your experience? That sounds so dumbed down and stupid on the face of it. I don't know what to say to something like that. I don't know what else to say to that. It's just Again, those, no specifics. Yeah. Although this one here from Jane E. is rather specific. It's very short. Isms are for slaves. That's her whole comment. And I had to write her, I said, there's some truth to that, Jane. Isms denote political dimensions. That's why capitalism doesn't really fit the mold. Capitalism is no ism in the sense that socialism, fascism, consumerism, or a host of other isms that are politically collectivist creations are. It was Karl Marx, actually, who invented the word capitalism to, to denigrate it, to turn capital, which cannot be a political thing, into a political thing and therefore equate it with other political ideologies. Yes, and then, he turned a natural yeah, state of affairs yeah. into um, an abnormal-ism. Exactly. You know, I, I actually like her little aphorism, their isms are for slaves. If you take out the capital-ism thing, I think I understand what she's saying. Yeah. I think this might be a positive comment. That, that's, that's what I think, too. I, I, I looked at it that way. And here's one from James B. He says, just right is not even wrong. That's his comment. Well, he's got that right. And I said, yeah, you're right, James. Just right <laughs> is just right. We're not wrong, even. <laughs> and then there's... We're not uh, perfect, but we're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Now, here is a perfect example of something that is very factual about capitalism, but kind of bypasses the fundamental truth about capitalism. But I want to thank Chip A. for this, because he's actually got everything very correct, but left out one key concept. And he wrote... Thank you very much. Capitalism is a driving force behind any economically advantaged nations. To get right down to its very root and to allow people to see that it's not a bad thing, allow me to give a basic definition. Capitalism is nothing more than a system of trade. You make something, you provide a service, and you trade it to someone who needs what you can provide. He then pays you or trades you with something of value which he has made or a service which he can provide. It's basic, simple, and it works. And everybody's happy. Now, if we do it the socialist way, you make something or you provide a surface, government takes your product and gives it to someone but provides nothing in return or possibly something you don't need. It's not simple. It needs to be administered, a cost for which you'll pay. It doesn't work, and the only person happy is the one who received your produce without having to provide something of equal value in return. Oh, and the people you have to pay to administer the deal. <laughs> right? Capitalism. It works. Right? Now, mind you... That may be the case, and I agree with him. However, too. remember, we're in favor of capitalism, not because it works, but because it is moral. Precisely. 
And what makes it moral is the key word that was missing, and that word is free. That's right. And capitalism, it's, it's a lot more than nothing more than a system of trade. It's a specific type of trading system, unique to all others practiced in mankind's history. Trade exists under all human systems of governance, including tribal cultures, who have, who have no concept of capitalism. Yes, capitalism works because it works on the principle of free trade, free from the coercion of thieves and governments alike. That's why capitalism works as the most miraculous creator of wealth the world has ever seen. So other than that, he got, he, he got it quite right. Well, he's, he's true. It's true. Yeah. But um, you know, sometimes people mistake business for capitalism. And I, th I always use the, the term capitalism in a political sense, not in a business sense. Although it can be used in, in both senses. Mm -hmm. From Jürgen B. And he writes, Just right can say what it wants. People can buy it or not if they want, and I can respond in any way that I want. What I see here is a thinly disguised attack on welfare recipients, whether admitted as such or not. Also the belly aching of those with money who don't want to share any of their hard-earned profits. That's us, boy. Oh, we're, yeah. we're just so loaded with all our money, aren't we? <laughs> I wish. I I just have to, if these people knew who we were and who they're talking to, yeah. right, they would turn red-faced. I kid you not. And, uh, and, then blame, and then blame is deflected by making people before profit an evil. This by people whom I doubt have ever been badly walloped by what life can throw at them, brought to their knees and reduced to such a level of desperation that they have no recourse but to ask for a handout. That's the way it usually goes, criticism of the less fortunate or those who are surviving on government assistance until something happens to their critics and detractors and now it's their turn. That's why we have a government and a system. In the Stone Age, you just died. <laughs> you know, again, okay. he's making it personal. He doesn't know us. I mean, stick to the facts. Stick to the isms, if you will. Stick to, well, stick to the truths, the facts and the truths. Yeah, but the problem is then they wouldn't have anything to say. <laughs> See, yeah, that's, that's the problem. I responded. I said, that's ironic. I said, the Stone Age was a tribal culture. And as modern political social systems become more tribal, that's exactly what's still happening today. People are dying. And the more collectivists we get, the more that will happen. The emergency room of any of the hospitals in London, Ontario, is a great example of tribal health care. My Lord. Uh, Americans need to read our newspapers to see what's happening in health care if they want to think about Obamacare for a minute. Moreover, any comparison with the Stone Age and modern times is not a function of government per se, but of technology and of knowledge that we've acquired since then. Again, another one, this was from show 471, The Cult of Death and Feminism's Pole Dance that we were talking about. Oh, yes. And someone named uh, Sean wrote to us, who are you targeting with this ad? I'm literally the last person on the planet who would support you. Who did you target with those, with those well, ads? Well, we talked about two things. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, the death cult of the left, I targeted the conservatives. But, of course, when you're talking about pole dancing, I thought maybe we should get a response from some feminists. Yeah, well, so I think I target feminists on that one. Well, that's interesting. I don't know who's, who, who's actually responding. But Sean wrote, Asking Facebook to show me this ad on your behalf is practically begging me to come to your page and troll you. For people who claim to value skill and business, you sure seem intent on wasting your advertising money. So I wrote, I said, hello, Sean, we're targeting people who might be interested in the topics discussed on this radio sh broadcast of Just Right, whether they agree with us or not. 
Obviously, there's something in your Facebook profile that has caused Facebook to direct our post, which is really not an ad in any commercial sense of the word, to your attention. Maybe he liked the pole dancing page. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're not asking anyone to, quote, quote, unquote, support us. Opposition and disagreement is welcome, too. Many Facebook posts, like yours, actually become the subjects of our broadcasts, and we respond to posted comments on air, where they are heard around the world. The post is merely our regular weekly notice that goes out to listeners of Just Right. Because every show is about a different topic, no two are alike. They're a bit of a summary and teaser about the content of the show without giving away the punchlines. Just Right is a completely volunteer effort. We're not a business, though many generous sponsors have stepped forward to financially support the broadcast of our weekly show. Our consistent themes are based on the four pillars of philosophy towards which we guide the directions of all our discussions. In metaphysics, reality. In epistemology, reason. In ethics, the self. In politics, consent. In political terms, those philosophic principles are what support the rights to life, liberty, and property. Now, whether we've wasted our money, quote-unquote, or not, depends upon those who receive our message. Others have even accused us of wasting our time, Robert. Can you imagine that? What they never do is attempt to justify or offer a reason for their expressed opinions. And this tells us that we must be doing something just right. <laughs> you know, when he says you must be wasting your time, that's if what we are doing here was with the purpose of changing people's mind. And you know something, folks? It isn't. The primary reason that Bob and I do this because we like the doing. We like the doing. And if we change your minds in the process, that's just gravy. That but I'd, I don't think I'd show up here every day if I didn't, or every week, if I didn't like doing it. Well, yeah, but what makes you like doing it? There has to be, if, if, if it was purposeless in your mind and you didn't... I think of it as a, uh, a venting. Mm -hmm. I like being able to express myself. I, mean, I, I, I experience a lot of the frustration that many people out there experience. I have a channel in which to vent my views, and uh, I like doing that. I know that people listen. Um, when they agree with me, I certainly like the positive feedback. I get a kick out of the negative feedback because it feeds into the... Uh, uh, in, into our analysis. And so uh, whether it's positive or negative, keep the feedback coming in and uh, we'll respond. Absolutely. And uh, our time's running out. I got one more <laughs> to get at. This is the final one. This is from Bill J. And he writes, rant much? Heroin helps that. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote him back, hello, Bill. Are you kidding? I rant every week. And then I put a smiley face in there. I said, that's the whole point of getting my fix of just right. But unlike heroin, which is merely temporary escapism and offers no permanent fix, just right is what really helps. And we hope we'll help you again next week when we return for another episode of Just Right. Join us again then when we'll continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white, under the bedclothes. Everything will be all right. I'm sorry, please don't have me whacked. <laughs> what kind of nonsense is this? Well, sir, we just want to pay you the proper respects. Yeah, we didn't know. Know what? About your family connections, Don Solomon. <laughs> oh, it's that stupid ad. It's a complete and utter lie. I would hope you people would know better. Oh, oh so yeah, right. Good, because I've had just about all I can take of this election foolishness. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Your political system is a sham! 
It's nothing but lies and propaganda. Look what it's done to you. You can't even tell who's good or, or bad or right or wrong. Give me science. At least with physics, you know when you have the right answer. I never do. 